so really like the you know the hollywood i mean hollywood's kind of the 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 lamest uh, metaphor here but it's like you can but you know all about hollywood relationships but it seems as though you know they they're they're with somebody they break up they move on to the next celebrity are they just chasing that chemical is it just they're falling in love with that that chemical feeling yeah. in their brain and then we and I mean, then they always say and then i fell out of love or you know or yeah. i fell in love with somebody else is it just the phenol, whatever it is, chemical? Yeah, phenol. I mean, it really could be because if you think about it, it's like two-year cycles. It's about right. the right time when stuff starts to get old and you're like, now you get to, you know, see that person's like zit on their back or something. Right. And you're like, gross. I don't want to be with you. Well, you know? so why, think about it. Uh, well, just think about it as um, a, a, like make an analogy with like heroin or alcohol or something. I've never done heroin. Um, Matt, you probably have, but no, I haven't. It's, <laughs> the, one I haven't. Okay. it's the only one I haven't. <laughs> well, it's like, okay, you, you, you shoot up heroin or whatever, and you're just in euphoria cloud nine, right? So that's, you know, very similar. Actually, there's a lot of, um, similar, uh, yeah, similar chemical to compounds that, yeah. to, to both of those feelings. You shoot up heroin, you're super in love, you know, that lasts for a couple of years or whatever. And then it, it comes down and you go, oh my goodness, what, what, what's going on? Right. So with the Hollywood marriages or whatever, then you search for that other um, in love feeling. So I, I've never thought of this, but like falling in love and falling out of love really is a biological, physical thing because it's like just a flood of these um, pleasure chemicals coming to you right. when you're with that person, when you think about that person, all the things that they fulfill in you, you know, physical, spiritual, you know, right. emotional all these things. So falling in love and out of love are, are actual. So then things. Yeah. what's the point? Why, we, why should we fight against our, our, uh, what, what's been selected for over millions of years to, for the survival of the species? Like, why do we, why do we need this rather, um, new institution of marriage? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, why not just follow the chemicals because mm-hmm. they seem to work? Yeah, well, one of the things that um, Mike McCarg talked about is that, like, in the research that they've done, is that humans are kind of biologically wild, wired to pair bond every 15 years. So he's like, oh. you know, people will stay, some people will stay married for their entire lives, but our bodies are designed to, like, have 15-year cycles of, of like, having a mate and then finding a different one. And mm. so, you know, there's all the biological side of life. to diversify the DNA pool, perhaps? Probably, yeah, yeah probably, so, yeah. just to make, you know the chances of your offspring surviving if you have three different sets of kids is higher. Sure, you can you know? satisfy, you can satisfy that, that you can satisfy that biological impulse by just donating to the sperm bank. Then you right, just have, there you you can go. have a million kids and that is, I'll put that in our, our workbook. Here we go. <laughs> so to satisfy your biological. <laughs> yes, <laughs> donate. So Melanie and I have, yeah. <laughs> so and I have three options. Three I'll million babies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll get a divorce and marry other people or we'll, we'll recommit <laughs> and at our 15 year mark, which is coming up in two. Years, so. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think one of the bigger trolls and I've seen this in my life, um, growing up with, in like sort of the church background and I can kind of lead into this thought with a great quote by Bill Murray. He says, if you have someone you think is the one, take them and travel around the world, buy a plane ticket for two of you to travel everywhere to places that are hard to reach and hard to get out of and when you land at jfk and you're still in love with that person get married yeah listen yeah. to the white um, privilege on on bill you're Murray. right <laughs> sure sure but, buy a plane ticket to all but, these hard no no no, no 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 but so many people spend all their money they spend 20 grand on a, on a wedding so mm-hmm. it true. would be better to spend that 20 grand traveling the world with this person you think you're going to marry and then spend five dollars at the airport on some flowers and get married there. But uh, (laughs) to me, it's like so much pressure. And this is kind of another thing. So much pressure to to have sex, so much pressure to just, you know, figure it out after the fact. And when I, you know, and I've seen so many divorces that are crazy and that so many of my friends are like, man, I should have just had sex with her. I would have known right (laughs) away. I'd have known right away that it was a bad, it was a bad omen. Uh, What do you have to say about all that? That's hilarious for one. Well, one of the um, one of the things that we talked to a sex therapist in episode seven, and then there's a bonus episode actually. And this lady's name is Dr. Tina Sherma Sellers. She's so amazing. And so we went, we actually went on a sex retreat that she 
Uh, it was an intimacy retreat that she like, <laughs> it sounds crazy. It wasn't crazy. But um, one of the things that she said that really struck me is that she talked about intimacy and like not not just sex, but intimacy, like being close to your spouse um, as like America has turned it into like a cereal. Like it's like you have sex. That's the only thing you do. Right. You have sex and then you go to work and then you come home and eat dinner. Then you have sex. And it's like there's not much variety to it. It's not that exciting. And she said, I don't care how much you love that person. What's going to happen is that that is going to fall to the law of diminishing returns where you're going to get bored. Right. And so one of the things she talks about is with intimacy and sexuality, and it can apply to anything. And this could be going on dates. This could be how you hang out, even with your children present, is make it exciting and fun and different. So pack a picnic and make see if you can make French toast at the park and see how hard that is. That's a thing that's interesting and will be fun with your spouse and your kids or really hard and make you mad. But regardless, it's not the same thing every day. It's not mm. the same like boring Thing I thought, that you I, thought you were, I thought you were going to talk about sex at the park. Have that'd sex be difficult. with French yeah, toast exactly. at the park. I did too. I'm, no. I'm a tree. <laughs> That's disappointing. But I'm sorry. It'll be really difficult and it won't, it won't go well, but you'll have tried something you'll new. You'll have tried sex at the park with French toast. Um, no, so, but that all to say that like there is the sort of the law of diminishing returns where you have to put something towards your marriage to make it be better. And so, and to what you were saying, Nate, this is something I've always thought that couples should have to do instead of premarital counseling, which is like a joke. You should have to like put together Ikea furniture. You should have to try to like chop wood and stack it outside. You should have to babysit a child for like six days straight while you have the flu to see if you should marry that person. Cause those are all well, the things that people like, hate each other over, you know? Well, the thing, the thing that, that I got lucky on is that I, you know, I toured for, you know, a long time and all my friends were scattered all over the place. So I told my uh, girlfriend who I married uh, at the time, like, Hey, we're, we're going to go on a road trip. We're going to go on a road trip all summer long, meet some friends, see my family, see, you know, and we just did it. And it was kind of like at the end of it all, we were, we were, we were fine, and I and I, th- I guess what I'm trying to say is, I would rather. I, I think it would be better to have some emotional scars of, you know, but to test to test the love potion idea to really throw it out there, like to do the Bill Murray thing, to just see, okay, is this just the love potion in our brains, or are we, do we have the juice to get past all that? And I think that's really what I want to talk about is like, there's so many Christian couples where you're just like just go have sex and get it out of your brain and just see if you like each other after that, because it's, it's, (laughs) it's so tainting your brain. You don't even realize it. One of the things I hate when people say is you can't play house or pretend to be married or whatever. Like that whole, the whole thing of like Christians shouldn't move in before they get married thing, which, yeah, I mean, sure. Don't move in, whatever. But I can tell you, Seth and I had sex before we were married. And if, if, if our sex hadn't been fairly decent, I probably wouldn't have married him. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it wasn't an element to our relationship is that we had a huge physical attraction and we didn't like not explore that before we got married. And I think that it is really sad when sex is not something we should be afraid of. How about that? For one, like people are really afraid of Christians are terrified of sex. Right. And which I think causes a lot of toxic behavior, which we've yeah, been talking it, about. Yeah, it causes terrible things, terrible patterns to fall into place and terrible ideas around sexuality. And when you're married and you're supposed to be having sex, it really can F things up. So it's like, why can't we do that in a way that's okay? And I don't I don't know that God would wire us biologically to want to have sex and then be like, "Ah, you're going to hell. You touched him. You're going to hell. Like, why would that be? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Right. Nate and I. Nate and I recorded a, a a whole podcast on this once, and we we spilled the beans on <laughs> on our, our whole lives, and then we never oh, released it because because um, well, I don't yeah. know, maybe we were embarrassed, but because uh, when your when your moms listen to your podcast, you're a little bit more like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mo- mom's so biggest funny. supporter. My mom listens yeah. to the stuff that we're on, and I and it's like, well, this is something we're going to talk about now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to ask? Someone oh, have you ever listened to this psychologist? Um, I think his name's Schnarch, Doctor Schnarch. Oh, I've heard him talk. Yeah. I've heard David Schnarch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made that up. He no, made that up. It, it's it's really it's a funny last name. But uh, 
Christy and I were doing like a Skype therapy session and therapist recommended this guy and, and this podcast or whatever that we, we like we bought an audible or something yeah. and listened to it. And he does a lot of like intimacy and sex therapy, but he was talking about yeah. how older couples in their 60s and 70s um, report better sex, better sex lives, better, you know, yeah. that it's that it's better. And you would think that the, all the young, beautiful people are having good sex. But the reality is, is they're not what he uses the term differentiating. They're not yeah. um, they're not identifying as themselves. They're sort of fused with whatever their partner is. And they do mm-hmm. that thing where they jump around to different partners and they fuse with different partners. But like when you get older, you stop. Like you said, when you turn 30 or whatever, you had this epiphany. You stop giving mm-hmm. a shit about what people yeah. think and you just want to do you. And that is what sort of that's that that ability to stand on your own two feet is what mm-hmm. really allows you to be intimate with somebody and give yourself mm-hmm. to somebody and have it mean something. Um, and he mm-hmm. says that people in their 60s and 70s, uh, they have they really don't give a shit. Yeah. And so <laughs> he was saying that men report they're they're able to be like cuddled in bed. Mm-hmm. And, and women are able to be more erotic and explore that part of their life that they've sort of repressed because of whatever shame or social weirdness yeah. about it. Because you just don't care anymore, you know. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're you're more you. And and uh, yeah, it was interesting. So we, we were talking about this from a you know from a, a standpoint of like don't think sex is a big deal um, mm-hmm. when you're young because it isn't. And if you think it's such a big deal and it's this thing to fear and this button on the wall that says do not push, all you're going to do is want to push it in all these negative ways. So, um, but then there's the, there's, there's the flip side of it. What's like when you're older, you know, and we also did a podcast. We also did a podcast with the guy that owns dildos.com and all those (laughs) things. Perfect. He owns all, he owns all the sex toys. uh, Was he on like uh, this is American life or something or like, I feel like he was on startup. The domain uh, episode. The, the domain guy. He might be. His name's Tom Dar- Nardone, and it's funny. He has. We we brought him on because he started this t- a lawnmower gang in Detroit that like mow parks. Because then, uh, yeah, the, the parks budget went down, and so they were all being overgrown, and so he oh. every he got like a gang together of people with ride-on lawnmowers to mow all the. Oh, funny. So we parks. should hit him up and say, "Hey, are the average person who buys your toys in their 60s? And yeah. then he would be like, <laughs> "We're on to something. We're on to something." Yeah. Well, yeah, no, um, I agree with you, Nate and Matt, like the, the research about like sex and like um, uh, satisfaction levels of sex really suggests that uh, monogamous sex is best, like married couples or people who have been together for years and years and years have more frequent sex, have better um, satisfaction during sex. And I think that um, uh, this this might be a little blunt, but like culture and society and pornography and everything like treat sex as just oh sex and coming right that's right. that's the only thing that is that is why you have sex just a ejaculation boom. is like the thing yep. and that's what it's about right just you, get there you, you just know, get there yeah you yeah. bust it and that's and that's done right <laughs> so uh or there's there's another saying i can't remember but it's hilarious my mother is ashamed right now. <laughs> oh no <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, treating sex through uh, through a much more emotional and spiritual lens. Well, like the biopsychosocial really, spiritual lens. Like you have the biological side of sex, the emotional side, the psychological, mm-hmm. the spiritual, yeah. you know. The- so, so that would correlate with like folks getting older and not giving a shit and go, oh, yeah, sex is emotional. It's not well, just it about seems- Right. It's, it seems like you can err on both sides of this of the coin here. If you're sort of grow up in the evangelical world, you don't touch it. And then if you grow up outside of that, you just want to get to the climax. And that's all there is. So there's this whole middle ground that isn't being uh, enjoyed because this people don't know each area. other. area. <laughs> yeah. Except for Sting. Sting seems to be doing <laughs> some really, really great sex these days. Stuff. You would love to do stuff with Sting? <laughs> what? I would love to do stuff on? like Sting. <laughs> no, I was, this is the funniest thing for me because growing up, I used to think hippies were like super weird, like just weird or whatever. Hippies are where it's at. Hippies know every, everything is in balance with hippies. Like they're just dirty enough 
physically speaking. Like, like they're not clean, but that's yeah. good for our body. They have bacteria. Oh, right. They like have kombucha. Their biome is just ever. like perfectly balanced. Yeah, their biome's yeah. balanced. They do yoga. <laughs> they have great sex. It's like hours long. I mean, hippies are really what we should. They can't organize for shit though. But yes, <laughs> I've, been, I've been telling Matt that for 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 two years now doing this podcast. Hippies is where it's at. <laughs> Hippies, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, and you still can't organize for shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I think there. I was going to say, I think there is. Uh, the thing about it is, there's just you need more information, and we tend to we tend to be dualistic in our thinking, and we tend to come from these different sides of these. And I think what you're trying to say is, hippies kind of have a more broad view, or they kind of take all perspectives try to think creatively and say okay let's let's get the middle of the road here let's understand that you know there's there's this is a very complex issue but i think you know i think i want to say to a lot of my evangelical friends it's just like you know i think you're missing out on and not even just the sexual side of their marriage but just this one side of like spirituality even that god is this one type of being and if you don't and it's more authoritative and if you don't fall under his law you're done and i and i think that's really repressive and i think that's that just goes down the line of how we view our bodies how we view yeah. our marriages so many so many you know male top down ma- like marriages like can you speak to some of the roles that like like i was going to say this the other day before the podcast cuz we did it on the we did a response to um public apologies all these men coming out and giving public apologies for treating women terribly but i wanted to say that after watching my wife with our kids i realized that like women have this superpower that i don't have my boys they want to go to mom in the morning they want mom at night they want mom they don't want me um unless they're like you know, playing around and dad's doing these other things. And I just feel like my respect for women has grown so much that women have this natural ability to, um, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it, uh, can you talk about some of the roles that men and women bring and how we can kind of respect those roles and how men can kind of think, Oh man, like here's some different ways I didn't think about my wife and our men or women. These are some different ways I can think about my husband that I didn't think about. Cause I think that having kids has grown that in my own mind. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that you're, when you were talking made me think of is there's a, a therapist named Esther Perel and she's like a, a sex therapist, but also just a regular therapist as well. And she talks about this concept of um, people staying silent for fear of being complex. And I think that that is such a beautiful statement, which she's basically saying um, people are, our society, our culture has made everything black and white. If you believe in God, it's got to be this kind of God. It can't be, you can't be confused at all about what sin means and what the, the, you know, wrath should mean. You have to be black and white about it. There's no middle ground. And so I think that polarizing in that way is so terrible. And I feel like, um, especially around even like the sexual misconduct things, we, our culture we should be teaching men and women all ages throughout their life that they are complex creatures and complex thinkers. And we have like several brains in our bodies. Like our gut is a brain and our brain is a brain, but our emotions are also a brain and they're warring all the time. So I can love my husband deeply, want to be married to him forever. And then also see someone on the street and be like, dang, he must work out. <laughs> right. That- like they're there. And that's okay. It's not, and I'm, I'm not going to be so afraid of my own body and my own reaction that I think, Oh no, I'm going to have an affair. Like, no, I can be complex and love my husband and see an attractive man on the street. It's okay. <laughs> and I think that, um, the more that we acknowledge that our complexity is a beautiful thing and we've, and we give it the honor and sort of the balance that complexity requires, we won't fall into these stupid patterns of like men domineering women all the time or women feeling like they can only wear skirts to be taken seriously or, you know, like that kind of crap is or from- pretending that you can cognitively control your biology with just yes. enough effort. Yeah. like yeah. I, I was walking out of the bank yesterday and Chrissy was, I parked the car and Chrissy was in the car with the kids and I was, I just kind of like, I don't see anybody on the street. Like Chrissy always sees people. <laughs> I just kind of like, I always yeah. have my blinders on. 
And um, like she'll be she, like girl will walk by and she'll be like, dude, did you see her boobs? <laughs> I'm like, no. Why are you looking at random girls boobs? But um, I, I walked past her. I had to get some cash to the ATM, walked, uh, walked to the car. And she goes, did you see that girl? Like she was checking you out. I was like, really? She's like, she's like, yeah, she looked you all the way up and down. She was hot, too. I was like, really? I was like, I still got it. I was like, maybe, I was like, maybe we should get her number. And she, we were just laughing about it. And I was just thinking, like, that's so funny. That's so fun and good that mm-hmm. we can just, like, make jokes like that, you know, 13 years into marriage yeah, and totally same, trust each other. And it's fine. Yeah. That same sex therapist, Esther Perel, talks about when when spouses see their, the other partner, like, in their element. So, like, Christy seeing you walking to the ATM and another woman checking you out. Yeah. It actually causes Christy to have to look at you in a different way. Cause she's like, <laughs> Oh, someone thinks he's attractive too. So they, this other lady likes him. So it's like, right. it's almost like a good jealousy. It's like, I think not, Re- Renee yeah. Girard called that mimetic desire, that miming oh. the desire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's huh. interesting because it's huh. like, if when I was younger, I would have lost my shit over that. I would have, I would have told Seth that he was staring at her that, boobs yeah, that and was that it was fault. his fault for being a human <laughs> existing. Right. But like now I'm like, no, that's awesome. Other people think my husband is attractive. He, yeah. on the other hand, is not allowed to think anyone else is attractive. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how we. No, no. Him. Every time he walks into that, to that show and he sees Sting, he goes, oh, damn, I want to do you. <laughs> Sting's got uh, yeah, he, he's got. Look out. He's got Sting on his list. Uh, police. Was that what the band was? Yeah. Police? Then, then maybe yeah. Uh, Sting will think I'm attractive and will make uh, Melanie jealous. Sting so. will be on our podcast. <laughs> It'll be such, It'll be a, such weird, a weird, weird moment, the three of you having a conversation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. That part of your brain doesn't turn off. Uh, and, I, and I think that's where the testosterone helmet comes in. Is that Unfortunately, for, for most men, you're going to notice... Women, uh, it's part of the DNA, the biology. It sucks. It, it, there's times when you just want to turn it off and just like, okay, I met this girl. I want to be with the rest of my life. I can turn that part of my brain off. But, you know, if you did, uh, y- you know, a lot of bad things happen. And we could do- talk about just like testosterone as what it does for, for men for, for a whole podcast. But I think that, I think that arriving to some, um, security is really hard for a lot of people. And maybe age just brings that naturally. You just kind of arrive at some security, you know, like I was, we were at the park the other day and we were with our, I was with my kids and they're running around and, uh, my wife goes, Ooh, you got some gray hairs in your beard. You're getting old. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but I'll always view you as that 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 cute 28 year old girl I saw at a show. So it won't matter, right? And <laughs> and uh, we just made some jokes about getting older, but uh, I, I didn't think about it till then. Like, you know, I'm always gonna sort of see her, uh, like I saw her when we first met. You know, like even as we're aging, even as we get older, I think that I'm always gonna see her that way. And I think it's kind of cool as we age. I'm feeling that more and more. And I do have gray hairs in my beard. It's getting weird. But, you're, getting uh, a, you're just becoming a silver fox. Go with it. It's sexy. I love, I love it whenever Seth gets a gray hair. I'm always like, yes, finally. Well, I think it's about um, uh, celebrating. I know that sounds really lame, but like just kind of like acknowledging like, oh, yeah, I've got gray hairs in my beard, you know, or Melanie looks this way. And this is where Excuse we're at. Me? No, I mean, just whatever. <laughs> like, better, in, better every day. When, yeah, I guess. Like changing a lot. In the fun way. I loved how you said that. Melanie looks this way. <laughs> like she's had three children. No, no. Like, um, well, okay, skip that thought. But like going back to going back to the um the, the black and white thinking, like things I think Christianity and other like, you know, dogmas or, or any or politics or anything, it's like it is so black and white and people as they mature or choose to mature, figure out no, things aren't black and white and I'm okay with that. You know, um, I think part of our fighting and like part of a lot of the fighting with people these days is everything wants it either this way or that way. And there's no room in between to have a conversation to like, Oh, okay. I can yeah. get a yeah. point here. Or- so Dr. Dan Siegel talks about that. Oh, we yeah. interviewed him. He's a neurobiologist who I totally have 
a a science crush on. And he talks about like, you want to honor differences, but promote linkages. So I will honor that Seth is different from me and that he has a different perspective and that he has different feelings about guns or different feelings about hunting or different feelings about anything. But I will promote where we agree and where we are close and where we can grow and those kinds of things. And that's really probably the crux of our story is like, I did not honor differences and I didn't promote linkages either. So I disagreed with him and was like, no, you're wrong and stupid. And I didn't try to get closer to him. I didn't try to learn more or like look at my own behavior or my own patterns or my own thoughts. And so I think that I, I think that in our world where everyone wants everything to be black and white, it isn't going to be black and white Mm -hmm. and we need to honor differences and promote linkages. And that's really like, that would change everything if we could get there and, you know, and not try to fight for everyone to be just like us. Right. Well, the problem, the problem is that if I see your diff, your difference, the thing that's different in you as violence and oppression Mm -hmm. for my people or, or other people, then there's just really no way that I can honor it. And I think that's where people kind of tend to polarize themselves. They go, just, I can't, I just can't. And then there's just really no relationship there, which is, which is, it's hard to promote linkages if you're not also like at least maybe you don't have to honor the differences, but at least like leave them off the table while you're promoting Mm -hmm. the linkages. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird because I think of that too. And I have like friends that uh, voted for Donald Trump. And, and like at one point, someone that I knew came up to me when he was elected and was like, I am so excited. It's it's in the Bible. It's like foretold that he was going to be elected. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. This was it's in the Bible. The, was, she, was she talking about yeah. revelations? Like I don't yes. know. It was like, I'm yeah, in like it, it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it was. That immediately changed my perception of that woman forever. And so I like I fall into that camp of like, I can't honor that difference. (laughs) Like, I cannot honor someone who's walking around. Do you think that's easier for men or women to, um, I I, I don't know. Like drawing a false binary, Nate. No, I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) I'm just trying to say the differences is like, um, like men. Men have a times like they'll fight and they'll make up, whereas I've seen some women hold grudges forever. And I think that sometimes there's it's when 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 in a marriage when I see the disagreements, it's like the it's like the guy is sort of this dumb ape kind of coming back, and then everyone's all these men are like encouraging. Okay, you have to say these things. You have to kind of get back in there. Come on, gorilla <laughs> monkey, get back in the ring. You know what I mean? Where I say, what do I say? Are, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are, I mean, can we say this on the podcast that sometimes, on a whole, women are way more emotionally complex than men are naturally? Well, I want to say that. I want to say well, that. Well, here's the thing. When, when, when men are fighting, it, it can always go to blows. That option is always on the table. And, and that's really, it's a simple thing, right? So men and women are equally bullies. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. men will, they're equally violent. Just women women exact their violence through things like reputation destruction or yeah. you know gossip but i think it's so cultural i mean i think that's probably all just cultural no like, i mean there's an element of the the sort of biological side of it but the way that women like when you were saying when you started to ask your question i thought you were going to ask something else and you were saying like women can hold grudges forever and i think it's probably because socially if a woman were to like cuss out another woman there would be this weird thing attached to it. It would be, oh, it's a cat fight. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Where so you would I would rather not say how much I hated another woman because what the men around me might do with that or what, what a woman around me might do with that is a lot. It's you know what I mean? Like it's sure it's almost too much to be you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I think I just think of my, you know, the way that I've seen my friends interact in their marriages. Um I just think sometimes marriages are difficult because people don't they don't they don't want to say that there's differences between men and women and they don't want to figure out what those are they're sort of this afraid of stereotyping or afraid of like i don't know i just think that i grew up in a household with a lot of women a lot of emotionally intense women and i kind of married a woman who's not emotionally intense and i and i think it's been easier for me uh in our marriage because there's no explosions. Yeah. Um, 
Like there's no landmines that just go off out of nowhere. Like, whoa, what happened? You know? And I, and but I no, think they, they're, they're in your marriage. They're just coming from you. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're probably coming. Yeah. I'm more the emotional landmine. Yeah, um, I think it's more about, I, honestly, the more I think about this, I feel like if we had education, more education on chemicals and mm-hmm. what those do to people's bodies, we would probably be in a better place. Because male, female almost doesn't matter because women can have testosterone. Yeah. Women can go through well, cancer do. therapy and have, uh, you know, weird uh, chemical imbalances and have to have extra sure, testosterone. Sure. And if we understood the the what the, our chemicals are doing to us, because that's such a huge part of what actually causes us to behave the way we behave yeah. is cultural yeah. and then chemically. Like if, you know, and especially like after having children, you know, the time after you've given birth, like your body is, I don't know what the hell it's doing, but it's like you, you can be angry. You can be like right. so happy and you're crying. You're so happy. And then you're like on fire hot. Like you're like, I'm going to explode. My body is overheating and I don't know right. why and I'm not doing anything. And, and like, so you really, our chemicals are just this Im- that, immense true. landscape that we don't even talk about. And they're across the board, yeah. male and female, you know? Well, maybe more education um, around, not like, oh, what's the, what's the, um, well, especially not from the, the church, in my opinion, like, oh, what's the biblical role of manhood and what's yeah. the biblical yeah. you know, of womanhood. Um, I was listening to this guy, John Gary Bishop, and he was asked, you know, what does it mean to be a man? And he was like, it doesn't mean anything to be a man, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, it doesn't mean anything be, to be a woman. And I think that's an area where we get so black and white, especially the church is like, oh, well, my biblical role is this and the head of the household, this and all this stuff. And that's again, where black and white thinking has like really done some damage. So yeah. what, what does it mean to be a man? Well, okay, let's look at the biological reasons and totally go from there. Not from like, you know, uh, the culture of the Bible, you know, which is, of course, uh, Middle Eastern, patriarchal. Um, sure. What does it mean to just a man? Oh, well, you know, sometimes I am drawn towards um, things that uh, my wife isn't drawn to. I don't even want to label them like, well, I'm drawn to more masculine things because that's, again, the black and white. Like, well, I have this thing called testosterone where it makes me like to run and do like physical things more. My wife has less of that. And then my wife has more estrogen, which kind of draws her to, you know, I don't know, X, Y, Z. And biologically, <laughs> she can have babies. And like, you know, like I like it. I, this is going to sound weird, but I really like looking at the world through um, the, the natural lens. Kind of like, OK, what what do what do the most animals do? You know, what is the role of a female animal in mothering or birthing? Sure, or I mean, that's, like, all, that's all we are, really. I mean, if you, if you look at it that way, the biological substrate, de- it, it determines everything. I mean, we right. like to think of ourselves as the thinkers of the thoughts. Uh, you know, we arrived mm-hmm. at our political opinion through reason and logic and rationale. But the reality is, it, it's just our temperament and it's just our biology. And it's our, the bias hits us before we even know we have a bias. Like yeah. if right. I see if I see an avatar of someone on Twitter before mm-hmm. I even read their comment, mm-hmm. the, the the biological substrate of my being has made critical decisions on what yeah. I think about them. And I don't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that that, you know, evolutionarily has served a purpose, but it's kind of like, you know, oh, what is a what's the what's the role of a man? It's kind of like going to a zoo and look at it, looking at a chimpanzee and just looking down, oh, that chimp has a, a penis. He must like throwing axes and eating meat. <laughs> throwing axes. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, or something other kind of stereotypical sure. man activity. Like, oh, that, that dude looks at, play- that, that, that chimpanzee looks at Playboy and drinks beer, right? Oh, yeah, that's what he does. No, and then like, oh, he doesn't do that? And then judging yeah, him. Yeah, but like, I mean. That's just ridiculous. I, but- but I, but I think that I think that there are differences, and I think that those differences attract us to each other. They're and just not. They're like, just. They're just not simple. They're they're, they're yeah. very complex well, and and in yeah. context different. And I don't think person. they yeah. should be categorized. Like I think that's what I'm saying. I think the same way that people are saying that gender is fluid and you can like be a man one time or a woman the next, like that. I understand that conceptually because when I think of gender roles that people try to place onto me, I build furniture. 
and I use a drill and a saw and I love to build furniture. I nailed my finger the other day with a nail gun on accident, actually, which I've never done before. It was terrible. But <laughs> like people would label that as a manly thing to do. And that's really stupid. Like they I just think it's them carpenters for nothing. Yeah. Though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow, look at you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm a father of three. I've got to sound like it once in a while. Great dad joke. <laughs> but uh, but I, that's what I think is a shame because there's you know there are men who love to knit. There are whole subgroups of people who love to do things that have been categorized as the, sure. the opposite gender. And it's um, really sad to me that that is what happens and that right. our culture is pushing so embrace, those. Screw the categories. Embrace yeah. complexity. Yeah. And, and I think in our marriages too, embracing complexity is really important. Like the complex, uh, the, the, the way that I wanted Seth to stay close to me while I was still pushing him away, that's very complex. There right. was complexity. It's also like mildly insane, but at the same time <laughs> I can, I can say to him, that is how I feel. Okay. And he can go, yes. Okay. And he yeah. will continue to act appropriately or whatever. But like the fact that we're also afraid to be complex beings mm. is what gets us into trouble. Like mm. I should be able to go into a church and say, you know what? I don't know if I believe in X, Y, and Z thing. And they should be able to say, I gotcha. Not like you're going to burn in hell. Yeah. Get out of you should right. walk up to Driscoll. You could walk up to Mark Driscoll and say, you know what, Driscoll? When it comes to lions, all the females do the hunting. Yes. So, <laughs> so you know, pull your head out of your ass, buddy. Yeah, Seth is really, really mad at him, but that's okay. <laughs> oh. Do you talk about that at all? Do you talk about the spiritual aspect of like gender roles and stuff like that at all on your podcast? We talk about spirituality very, very minimally, and it's more in the context of like how we used it to get through the hardest okay. times because we like I read the Bible a lot I followed Joyce Meyer who I love um, like it was that more of that kind of thing but we don't yeah I think that. now like well in, in season two we talk about yeah the spirituality that got us through the time um, we, we have very very different views on spirituality and I think God and the Bible now which would be a whole nother series of, of podcasts, um, but I think it, it served a wonderful function um, at the time. And it's not like, oh, yeah, use Christianity or use the Bible at my leisure. It's not that. It's just like, I don't know, a maturity. Wait, hold on that, a second. I got to step away for a second to help the kid that I'm watching. So you keep right. talking to Seth. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, a, just a, a maturation of the whole spiritual process. Like, you know, like I'm going back to the, the whole black and white thing. Like, honestly, I have a really hard time now labeling God as not 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 Jesus because historically Jesus was a man like biologically he was a man but God as like a he or a she I think it's been trained into us through the patriarchal system that you know our idea of God came down through over centuries it's like I was talking to Matt Carter about this it's like oh yeah like God is in heaven and he's like has a penis is that is that what we think of God you know like how can we being finite, like label the infinite so sure and like be so black and white about right. that. Like, oh yeah, God, well, the Father, this stuff. That I, I just, you know, English, I mean, transla English translations too are kind of limiting. You ever listen to that liturgy by the liturgists, uh, God our Mother? No. It's pretty interesting. If you're if you're yeah. into um, examining the concept of the abstracted out ideal truth known as God in feminine terms then uh check that out it's pretty good yeah i don't i don't i don't even think we realize how often we we place sort of this masculine identity to god but uh i don't i don't think we really know what else to do what else to say um you know we sort of uh, the personification of of all kinds of things i mean obviously we you know we view i mean most people i've read most people view their view god as a version of their their own father psychologically, uh, psychologically. yeah and if you have Which a crappy puts a lot dad, of pressure a... on on you as a dad right <laughs> oh, right here we go but i mean <laughs> i will say though that as to go back to the what is a man um i i, I will say now that uh i've kind of gone through a metamorphosis of understanding what you know spirituality and growth is that a man is is patient and kind and loving and gentle, you know, and it's really obvious when a man isn't those things. Uh, he gets angry and violent and mean. 
nobody likes those types of people. They definitely don't like those types of men. And, um, you know, I would say the same, you know, I would say that that's hard for a man to do sometimes. There's so many angry men out there, so many angry fathers, so many prisons full of angry men. And there are angry women too, but I, it seems predominantly there are more angry men in general. And I think, I think that's because we have some, some issues with what a man and what a father really is. A man can't just love his kids uh, f- uh, for some reason. It's a problem. It's difficult. Maybe, maybe and, uh, men are angry because we've been pigeonholed into this black and white thinking. Like, what is a man? A man should do this. Like those uh, examples that you just gave. Like, okay, a, a, a woman is that too, right? But socially and culturally, men, you know, it's okay for us to act in certain ways and not okay to act in other ways. Whereas females yeah. can be more emotive and cry in public or whatever. Right. And they're not, they're, there's not a stigma around that, you know? So maybe this black and white thinking again, geez, I go keep on going back to it is there's a lot of anger in, in, um, uh, with men because we still have these same emotions that women have. We're not that different that we don't have similar emotions. However, it's just not appropriate for us to, uh, emote those in, in certain ways. Well, it's not that it's not appropriate. It's not culturally acceptable. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. yeah. Like our, our culture has made it so that it's, having a complex array of emotions and range of emotions is not deemed as being manly. Right. right. Or you think about yeah. the near, near East or Eastern cultures when, when people go into mourning over a family member, mm-hmm. I mean, just like rip their clothes off, mm-hmm. throw ash all over, wail in the streets. And that's what a man yeah. does. That's and what that's a man okay. does. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, not. Yeah. And I think too, in like, whales men um they are one of the most manly things you can do is sing and write poetry and and sing that poetry in a pub every week like it is <laughs> literally considered one of the most manly things that you can do yeah and so it's like that's totally totally Love different that. than that's that's you know. my uh that's my ancestry there well not welsh but scottish so i, I love but i but i, I hearing that <laughs> but i think a strong man i guess what i i I, I don't want to define a man. I, I've moved on the idea of defining a man by what pop culture says. I mean, most, you know, just drinks beer, watch football, and yells a lot. But I, I think, you know, some of the I, – I still think that, like, a man wants to lay his life down for his family. So when it comes if, – if an intruder is coming into a house, I think that's when the testosterone kicks in and the man will go and he will die to save his family. I think there's something there. I think, But won't I think the woman – yeah, I mean that's the same. And think I about think, think about too, like a, if anyone tried to touch my kids, I'd cut their freaking face I would, off. I, I mean, put my money. I put my money on Melanie. I think yeah. Seth, you take <laughs> the kids. Melanie will defend the, the family. She's got a she's got a strong right hook. Yeah. I know, Joe. I, I, I have a hatchet next to our bed. I will cut a mother effer up if they get into our house. I mean, my wife. Yeah, my wife. You know, when I was recording, she texted me a photo like locked and loaded. You know, when I was off in the studio recording, like <laughs> if if anyone breaks into our house, you know, my, well, she's, a, you know, her father is a police officer. So she grew up learning how to shoot a gun and she knows how to do it all. But her her dad always gave her the worst case scenario and everything. So that's that's her background. I think my <laughs> wife would be the better shot if someone broke in. But I'm saying the monkey brain, the the gorilla instinct would sort of defend her. I, I, I hope. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I would have to go i would have to just do the thing uh and i think that's what a good man is and a good woman is is someone who was willing to lay their life down when it matters but uh, i don't know what i'm trying to say i I just think that i think that's that uh self-preservation is really what makes probably a bad spouse (laughs) and a a a bad dad a, a bad you know, sure. Yeah, I think again, like I keep going back to this concept of if if we were taught um, to celebrate our complexity and to not fear our complexity and to know how, like for example, if you had this really strong urge to like hurt someone, it, you should be able to tell somebody, not keep it to yourself and hide it and be afraid of that complexity. You should be able to say this is a feeling I'm having and then get proper help. Just as much as I can say, oh, that guy's got a nice butt and I love my husband, right? <laughs> we're, we're complex people I mean, and Chris, we do have a... Chrissy, yeah, and I are, Chrissy and I are always talking about how much we want to uh, spank our kids. 
and like be violent with them. Right. Right. <laughs> and we aren't. Right? But it's like, yes. I really just want to smack her right now. Right. <laughs> we right. Like get that and out. Like, on, we put that on the table. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like at the same time that we have these really complex minds, we also have a, an extremely base monkey mind where we're like, I also kind of want to just do some weird, like totally primitive brain thing. And that's okay. Like th- yeah. it's okay to even to, to acknowledge that we have the desire to do something or feel something or want to do something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We should be able to to be in that space more and more freely without being afraid of what culture says or what society says, because instead of hiding it and then acting on it, we are simply just con- conveying it. Yeah. Because then, then that, that, um, creates like a lot of people living in their own personal hell or somebody doing something really, really stupid, terrible. like yeah. a mass shooting or killing your spouse or doing something else terrible yeah so, or raping somebody i mean like yeah it's the idea of like you had mentioned stuff the other day like opening a like if you shake a soda can and you open it really fast it explodes but if you just open it a tiny bit and you like start talking about ideas and right. i think it doesn't explode it just slowly releases and i think that's where the like we need to stop fearing complexity and right. we need yeah. to stop you know like self-preservation is not an amazing thing I, I, and repression of, or suppression, you know, those, those types of push, push those feelings down because they yeah. aren't good. I was going to say, sometimes literally just talking about feelings is all that it takes. You do not need to act on them. And that's where I think a lot of people are like, Oh, but then you're saying people should be able to rape other people. No, I'm not saying that at all. Stupid. Like right. I didn't say that. And I think that's where it gets annoying to me is that like, let people be complex and let them I talk think- about it, you know? I think the reason I've been bringing up the sort of the man topic is obviously I'm a guy, so I, I think that way. But we just have this cultural problem right now where we have men doing crazy, crazy shit. And and clearly there's a problem with what it means to be a man, what your roles are, how you're able to act and what you're able to do in society. Prisons full of men, lots of men in powerful positions, uh, treating women like objects. And I think that systemically there is a problem with what it means to be uh, to be a father like there's there's a lack of uh of fathers perhaps teaching their young perhaps, sons yeah perhaps it's just a lack of complexity it's just yeah a, you jam yourself into a binary and you know mm-hmm. men are pigs and this is i want sex and this is how i get it yeah and yeah and yeah. and even like the lack of complexity and understanding that women are women are as complex as men are. They are different and sometimes they're similar. And like someone like Louis CK, like showing his wang to everybody. It's like he should be more complex in his mind and say, "Uh, maybe I can get my jollies in a different way and not subject someone else to my wiener. Mm -hmm. Like this would be a great thought to to have in his head and not hurt someone else. Those kinds of things. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Seth, I think Seth might need to leave. Do you need to go? Yeah, I, got <laughs> I want to ask one more question before you go. Um, Seth, you can leave if you have to. But uh, what was uh, what was your last marital spat? What's the last thing you fought about? Oh, man, it was like two days ago. Yeah, we got uh, really pissed off about something. What was um, that? Hold on, we got to think. Well, you can edit this part out while we think. What is... Uh... We got mad at... Oh, I think it was... Co- okay, here's, what, here's the story. We went to... See the sex therapist that we talked about in season one. We actually did for season two. We just recorded a three hour session with her that we're going to play an hour and a half of it in season two. So people can actually like hear our sex therapy session, which is like, it's, it's really, I think it's really interesting. But, Pretty, yeah, but Seth yeah. got upset at me because he wanted the session to go one way and I wanted it to be like all for the podcast and he wanted it to be like this other thing. And that's the whole story. It really was pretty boring. Well, no, I was thinking about the argument we had two days ago. It was like Melanie came up and hugged me and I was just kind of like receiving the hug. And she was like, well, if you're not going to hug me, blah. And she went away and like it was this whole other thing. Usually an argument isn't obviously an isolated event. Right. It's something yeah. that has been going on for, you know, whatever, whatever. And I think that I felt like, well, can't I just, you know, sit here and let you hug me and like feel nice about it? instead of like immediately reciprocate kind of thing. And then that made her upset about something. Um, Do you want to know why it made me upset? Yeah. Is everyone ready for this? Cause this is going to be a lot real quick here. Okay. So I went to hug him. He didn't respond. He kind of stood weird and it felt like he was brushing me off and I am a complex <laughs> being and uh, I'm on my period. 
and he went to hug me and I was like, fuck you. You didn't hug me back. I'm out of here. That's what it felt like. It was like, yeah. peace out. So. You know, and that's hard for a lot of men. It's hard for a lot of men to, uh, I remember you just kind of, uh, you know, being younger in church settings, you know, a lot of guys would just avoid women because they just didn't really want to believe that they were complex beings. Um, you know, we just kind of made these stupid rules like, you know, like, forget the girls this summer. It's just a dude's summer. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, you know, and we would say these things to ourselves. And I think we were afraid. We were afraid of a girl who had her own opinions, her own thoughts, her own feelings, who could call us out, who could say F you to us. And, 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 and I think there's a difference between it being just an emotional reaction and actually thinking through something. And saying no, this is this is actually where I stand, and you need to be okay with that. And I think that that that's really hard for a lot of men. Just haven't matured in that area. Don't understand. Can't take it. Yeah, but I think I will, if you map yeah. if you mapped our arguments, I promise you, they're every twenty seven days. I'm not even <laughs> kidding you. And they they really are. Like talk about get, the biological yeah. substrate of all of your arguments, just in general. <laughs> I was going to say, Seth, what it sounds like to make it all better, all you have to do is wear your birthday suit, get some drumsticks, and sit on that drum set. Nice. And every, everything, and everything goes away, right? So gross. <laughs> Naked on like the pork pie seat with like yeah. that would be the grossest. It already thing stinks bad. It already stinks bad enough. Just be like butt sweat and hair. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe just bust out some drumsticks, and that's all you got. And then, uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, where can people find you guys online, your podcast, listen to it? So you can listen right now to season one is Stronger Marriages. You can get it on iTunes or wherever. Um, and then our you can go to strongermarriages.com. But we're currently building up the new website, which is Anatomy of Marriage. And that's at anatomyofmarriage.com. But that website's not complete yet. <laughs> but um, And then, like, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but we have a workbook that we're putting out for all of season one where people can actually follow along the episodes. And there's going to be like an audio version of that too. So you can listen to me read the workbook to you and you can answer the questions and there's and actually like, go through it like, yeah, you can go through it with your spouse or with your therapist. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's like a legit resource because um, we don't want people to go through the stuff that we had to go through mm -hmm. and we want people to be complex. So yeah, that's right. So Anatomy of marriage or stronger marriages podcast, that's either true. one. Yeah. yeah, or Facebook. What's our Facebook? Yeah. Awesome. I don't know. I don't. We don't do social media well. Just ignore. <laughs> media. Just leave us a review on iTunes for stronger marriages for now. But awesome. um, but yeah. Well, thanks, so guys. thank you guys so much for having us. Thanks, yeah. Seth and Melanie. Um, yeah, hope thank to you. talk to you guys soon. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Later. Bye. The secret marriage vow Is never spoken The secret marriage never can be broken No flowers on the altar No white veil in your hair Bible of two